Thank you, Annette. So, have you done any good reading lately? Yeah, we have a book club here. People like to read. Well, recently I gorged myself on three Jillian Flynn novels. Like three novels in a week and a half. Have you guys ever heard of her? Well, she's a Kansas City native and a contemporary author of some wildly popular and just downright disturbing novels. So if you don't know who she is, do you know who Stephen King is? He said that after reading her books, it gave him the creeps. So this should put it into context for you. Her, her uh, novels are about the very, very worst of humanity. Infidelity, depravity, immoral behavior, manipulation, and murder. She covers it all in her novels in such an in-your-face and startling way. She doesn't pull any punches. And while you're reading one of her novels with such names as Blunt Objects, Dark Places, and Gone Girl, there was a movie made about that one, it feels pretty decadent, a little bit wicked, and a bit shady. But you can't put one of her books down. You are just gobbling up every last deliciously corrupt crumb of her writing. And after you finish one of her novels, you find yourself getting the shivers or those goosebumps, just like in the middle of the day. Because you find yourself replaying those different scenes portrayed in her books over and over again, just trying to wrap your mind around the many, many ways that human evil plays itself out. And for a while, it was like all I could think about. It's like all I could talk about. I was like, oh my gosh, have you read those books? They are so creepy. But alas, it's fiction. And then you put the book down, put it back on the shelf, and you go back to your life. Or do you? I have to say those novels were greatly entertaining to read, but they weren't in any way uplifting or inspiring. To be fair to that particular author, I don't think that that was her intent either. It's just good entertainment. Regardless, I found myself wanting a mental cleansing of sorts after reading that book, those books. I headed straight to the library, and I found one of those lighthearted novels, one that take, you, know, you take to the beach if you live near a beach. Um, it was a little drama, a little romance, a little humor, very light and fun, definitely no murder and mayhem. You see, I've been pondering today's scriptures for the past month or so. It was because my next-door neighbor brought them up to me in one of our conversations as we were watching our kids play. So in the back of my mind, I've been traveling around with the Apostle Paul's words, trying to sort it out, to find the meaning of those words that he wrote to the church in Philippi, for my life and for yours. In essence, I think what he's saying is, you are what you think. And it influences what you do. I guess we could even make it more simple. It comes down to filling up and pouring out. I'd like to say that this is some profound and epiphany-provoking topic, but it's not. It's just good, solid advice for fruitful living. Recall the advice the Apostle Paul gave the Philippians. Now I'm going to read from the message translation because I think it's always interesting to hear what it would sound like in a more common vernacular. So the Apostle Paul says, Summing it all up, friends, 
I'd say you'd do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. Put into practice what you learned from me, what you heard and saw and realized. Do that, and God, who makes everything work together, will work you into his most excellent harmonies. What the Apostle Paul said in verses 8 and 9 of Philippians chapter 4, I think has sort of been reincarnated in different forms. You know, this whole idea of, you know, what you put in yourself matters. You know, what you fill yourself up with. I mean, maybe you've heard your mom say this, or maybe you're the mom that says this. If you sit there and fill up on junk food, you're not going to eat a good dinner tonight. Did you ever say that? Or maybe you've heard it said this way, garbage in, garbage out. Or perhaps this insult has been hurled at you. I mean, none of you sitting here. Well, you're just full of baloney or other choice words. Sometimes we do find ourselves filled up with baloney, the wrong stuff. Things get twisted inside, and what comes out of us just isn't desirable. Other times, it isn't that we're full of the ugliness of the world, but we're just plumb empty. And that can happen for a variety of reasons. But I prefer this morning to stick with this idea that as a culture, we tend to say, fill her up. But more often, it's just not with particularly good or positive stuff. It does matter what we think about. It does matter what we dwell on. It does matter what we focus on and who we focus on. So think about it this way, okay? Buffets. All-you-can-eat buffets. The root of all evil, if you ask me. I mean, I have never come away from one feeling pleasantly satisfied, refreshed, or healthy. Rather, I find myself rolling out of them at least two sizes bigger than I came in, stuffed, flushed, and miserable, in need of a nap. You know that term, food coma? That's where that comes from. But I leave with the smug sense of, by golly, I got my money's worth. But then again, was it worth it? Sometimes life's like that buffet. We get to decide how to fill our plates and our bellies. It has some healthy options, but it has an endless array of junk on it, too. It has salads and veggies up front, you know, the fresh fruit. But then, man, you start going down the line, and there's all kinds of other tempting choices. And it has a self-serve ice cream machine with unlimited toppings. Whoever thought that was a good idea? (laughs) But the thing is, we have a choice. We decide what goes in our hearts and minds. We determine what shapes our souls. And we select the things that we fill ourselves up with. We can dwell on things that are good and lovely, or we can go back for seconds on gossip, negative comments, fighting, and backbiting. We can end just heaps of gratuitous violence and sex in our movies, music, games, and literature, and we never think twice about it. 
We can snip and snipe and hang on every drama-filled post on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram like it's our full-time job. But most of these things are draining, time-wasting, and do little to further us as human beings or as Christians. And it should be noted that this is not just adults who fall into this trap. It's very much the culture that our teens and our young people are exposed to today. They also become victims of negative consumption. No age group is immune to being overly full of the junk that is readily on display and accessible in our society. And everyone is at risk, regardless of age, of being enslaved and hurtful and negative thought patterns. Now, I think we ought to be careful at this juncture. The next logical step is not going to be, remember I said not, it's not going to be that secular is bad and only that which is religious in nature constitutes good and pure, and that's the only thing that you should partake in. I'm not saying that. I'm not advocating that at all. I listen to all kinds of music, some that really lifts me up. I very rarely listen to Christian radio. I'm not ashamed of that. It's just not what I listen to. I'm an avid fan of NPR and its programming. I still watch mainstream movies and TV shows. I have a Facebook account, and I love sharing pictures of my kids and their accomplishments, and I love seeing yours too. I engage in social activities with folks outside the church. I take my kids to the Nelson Atkins Museum of Art, and we read all kinds of books in our house most that we get from the public library. You and I live in a human and secular world. Paul gets that. While it may have been a couple thousand years ago, Paul understood that the Christians in Philippi did too. In fact, in his commentary on Philippians, Edward P. Blair, a professor of New Testament interpretation at Garrett Evangelical Theological Seminary, notes that the things... Paul urged the Philippians to think on, remember, what is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, honorable, those things to think on. He says that those were the things emphasized by philosophers, particularly the Stoics in Paul's time. There is nothing here that is distinctively Christian, although they are in harmony with Christian ethical teaching. Paul seems to be saying, let your minds dwell on all that you were taught to believe is best in life. He recognized that we become what we dwell on in our thinking. Then the Philippians are to keep Paul's teaching, preaching, and personal example, along with the traditions of the church standards that were set before them. They were to shape their actions according to what they had learned, received, heard, and seen in Paul's life before them. Professor Blair goes on to say that if they, the Philippians, think and do what is right, the God who brings peace will be with them to assure stability of life and ultimate salvation. The things that we choose to fill our minds with The things we really set to thinking about do shape who we are and ultimately our outcomes and our actions. So just to reiterate, 
We can fixate our mental energies on negative thoughts, desires, destructive contemplations, past hurts and hang-ups, and false notions. I think those are kind of the internal things that we can get our minds really wrapped around. But I also think that there is also this second piece. I think that we can also preoccupy ourselves with all the undesirable options available to us out in the world, sort of an external force. In either instance, we can make them our primary focus while excluding or foregoing more constructive and positive mediums and thoughts. What I want to make clear is that we as Christians can take full advantage of the positive, enlightening, and uplifting things the world has to offer, in addition to the many spiritual resources present in our faith and our church life. There are many secular things that can, in fact, bring us closer to God, deepen our relationship with Christ, make us think and ponder and be challenged in new and exciting ways. There are many examples of human creation that are beautiful and lovely and worth thinking about. So now that we've settled that point, I hope, what I'd like to convey to you is that there is a logical next step in this proposition, and that is, if you fill yourself up with things that are just, lovely, noble, admirable, and commendable, both religious and secular in nature, then a mind and spirit transformation can exist. And that which you fill yourself up with can then be poured out to others. And it can shape and change our communities and our world for the good. Siddhartha Gautama Buddha, I think you just know him as Buddha, he was the sage and monk who traveled around India. His teachings were the foundation of Buddhism. And he said, we are what we think. All that we are arises with our thoughts. With our thoughts, we make the world. I like that quote because it encapsulates this very idea of what we're discussing this morning. It also nicely addresses in a most simple and profound way what happens when thoughts get turned into action. With our thoughts, we make the world. With that in mind, let's move back to our lives as modern-day Christians for a moment. So can we all agree that our thoughts and our actions are inextricably linked together? Would you buy that? That what we think and, and how we act, there's a connection there. Okay, so we'll keep going further. So good thoughts generally lead to good actions. Okay. Repeated bad thoughts are probably going to lead to negative or not pleasant actions. I said repeated because one bad thought probably doesn't mean that you're going to go over the edge and do something. Repeated bad thoughts. Are we, are we on the same page? Okay. And yet most of you are sitting here today and you're thinking, look, I'm not the bad guy. I'm not the bad lady. I mean, I'm sitting in church here after all. I'm not hurting anybody. I'm not breaking the law in any major way that you know of. I'm living my life and I'm not causing anybody any trouble. Bad thoughts, bad actions, that's not me. 
Yes, I guess that would sum up most of us here and the people that we know and associate with. And yet, the lack of good and positive action and interaction in the world isn't just a result of bad thoughts and thus corresponding bad actions. It's a lot of non-action, too. Is anybody going, huh? Huh? Well, you can't give away what you don't have. Perhaps you aren't filled up with bad things, but are you filling yourself up with things that are noble and true? Or are you filling yourself up with fluff? Real Housewives of Beverly Hill. Stuff. Sports. Lots of sports, not just an occasional sport. Junk. You know, are you, are you immersed in pop culture and the stuff of the world? Is that what you're filling yourself up with? Blah. So this is when you do an inventory in life. This week, I challenge you guys to carve out 10 minutes, not per day, for the entire week. Find 10 minutes that you can focus. Maybe it's on your work commute. Uh, Maybe before you go to bed at night or when you first get up in the morning. Maybe on your lunch break. Take 10 minutes and ask yourself, what do I really got going on up here and in here? And what am I doing about it out here? If your positive output isn't measurable, why? I mean, I think there's good reasons why sometimes we're just not at our best, you know? I mean, maybe you're strapped for time and resources, There are reasonable life pressures, illnesses, or stresses that can overwhelm people. And if you want to know how to handle some of those, I highly encourage you read the entire letter to the Philippians. It's really short. It's really joyful. It's really positive. And it has a lot of great instruction for life. But if your positive output isn't measurable, can you link it back to something else? Things in which you have a greater control over. Are you able to pour out to those in need, to your neighbors, your community, and your church? Or are you distracted and consumed by the things you choose to focus on? I guess for me it came down to this, and I can only speak for myself. I said, okay, when am I the most productive? When do I feel like I'm pouring out the most? Well, for me it's when I seek to change the world Through Christ's love. When I put myself and my desires aside and spread the joy and hope of my faith, that's when I allow God to work through me in all aspects of my life. This is really a struggle, but when I can declutter my heart and mind and allow for the space for him to flow through me, great things happen. When my prayer life is hearty, when I'm in Bible study with my friends, when I remember to pick up the upper room daily, daily devotional guide, when I experience uplifting worship, when I take in nature and the beauty of our creator, my output is better. When I hear an interesting and thought-provoking story and I say, Hey, Marilyn Center, did you hear that thing on NPR the other day? And there's like these these kids at UMKC and and they're going hungry and they're starting a new food bank at UMKC because we have kids a couple blocks away 
that don't have food, let's do something about that. When I hear those things, I get to flowing, you know? When I, do you guys know how exciting Kansas City is? It is a fun place. I love this place. I love this town. My family, we go on adventures all the time. We have great art and culture and music and people and festivals here. I love to do that with my family and interact with the people in the city, kind of spread our joy. I get really excited when I get to connect our faith community to the community at large when we do one of our awesome kid events. And sometimes I'm I'm doing good when I just have a little quiet time with my husband, David, who's not here today because, unfortunately, one of the kids got sick last night. But every once in a while, when things really slow down, we get to watch Modern Family on TV. And we laugh and laugh and laugh. And it's those times I start to think about other families and about my family and how awesomely blessed we are. How my kids have so many toys and clothes. And that's when we start dragging stuff out and putting them in giant yellow trash bags that I buy from Nick Gardner. And we haul them down to Baby Grace. And that's when I start serving and thinking about other families because it flows through you. When I fill up on the good things in life, the more goodness of God I have to pour out. That's not me to toot my horn. That was just one of those life inventories. And I'm sure you have your list too. When I'm doing this and I'm reading this and I'm thinking this, man, I am giving away. I'm sure you have found these things to be true in your life as well. In conclusion, I'd like to restate that life is not just a buffet. I would stay away from buffets. That's, that's my advice. I think life is really a balancing act. The Christian life is lived not in a bubble, and it's certainly not contained in just these walls. We live in the world, but it's up to us how to navigate the world and all it has to offer, both good and bad, virtuous and injurious, decent and depraved, positive or corrupt, in both ideals engagements, and in thoughts and mediums. And if this is something that you really struggle with, kind of how to filter some of those things out of your life, well, I encourage you to seek the counsel of God. Call on Jesus to guide you in your decision-making. Let his wisdom direct you to things that are true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, and gracious so that you may pour out those very same things onto others. In all things, it's up to us through Jesus Christ. I believe we all have the power to say, hey, fill her up there with some of that good stuff. Would you join me in prayer? Dear Lord, we inhabit a world that has lots and lots to offer us. Things that are full of beauty and provoke us to dwell on good and just thoughts. We have been given minds that are encouraged to probe, think, and dwell. And yet so often we let negative thoughts and behaviors consume us and our being. We fill ourselves with things that are less than desirable. And soon those thoughts and behaviors, those things in which we ingest, shape us into something other than the person you created us to be. 
we find that we cannot pour out the positive. We cannot lavish love upon our fellow man and creation because we simply don't have it to give. So today, Lord, we ask you to help us when we are feeling particularly weak in mind and spirit, when we give way to mental apathy and we allow ourselves to be filled up with junk, embolden us, strengthen us to make a better choice and to feel and witness the fruitfulness our lives can have when we seek which is true, that is, things that are lovely, things that are admirable, and things that are pure. And let the transformation not stop there, Lord. Allow us to pour these things out to others in Christian love as we seek to build your kingdom here on earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.